We're back. Welcome. Oh, look who's here. Samsel. What's up? What's up, everyone? Four-man crew. We got a four-man crew tonight. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been a little bit. You know, we had the, you know, the the international break. Thank God that's the last one until May and or March. And, uh, you know, we got uh, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, crazy weekend of games. So every, everyone's here. Uh, Mike, JJ, uh, uh, KJ and JJ at the bottom there, but uh, uh, I mean, you know, obviously uh, we're taping uh, Monday night for Tuesday here, right after uh, Kyle's team just just won. But uh, really, really amazing weekend of matches. Uh, I think we kind of want to jump right into it. Uh, yep. Do we have any kind of uh, op- opening thoughts? Yeah, match match week thirteen. We have a new leader. Uh, we've got drama at the bottom of the table and potentially the goal of the year this week. Um, you know, we're coming to you on Monday night after Fulham finishes a 3-2 win over Wolves, the game that featured three penalties. Fulham wins it on uh, a late William penalty, penalty in second half stoppage time uh, after a VAR review. I just wanted to make sure we got that in there off the top. It was a much-needed win for, for Fulham, um, 10 points clear of the drop now, so, so you feel pretty good there. Um, but we want to start at Goodison Park, a, a very – uh, contentious, a very hostile Goodison Park, um, where Manchester United a three-nil victory. Garnacho with what uh, oh. could possibly be the oh. goal of the season. What a gorgeous, gorgeous overhead kick! Um, a three-nil United win, uh, set against the backdrop of protesting Everton fans. Uh, first match after a ten-point uh, deduction that saw saw the Blues drop into the the bottom three. Um, but Sean, just your your thoughts on this game? A United team that has won three in a row, four of f- four of five, now up five to six, six in the they're, table, and and on twenty four points. Five of six. They're actually the, they're they're actually the form team in the Premier League, which is absolutely ridiculous because they they haven't been very good. That was their first win, I think, by more than a goal in in, in a long time. Um, the first thing is, you know, the goal. Early, I mean, the goal. The I mean, it's the most ridiculous goal I've ever seen. Uh, in the Premier League, at least, um, it, it happened in the. I mean, it's third minute, so you know, there's all the protests. You heard about this. We actually, you kind of thought coming in, I was a little worried because, you know, it's not it's not an easy place to play to begin with. Um, you know, then the the, the ref is standing at first. The, I mean, the goal was amazing. Garnacho, you know, the the best two players on the field were teenagers. Uh, Kobe Mainu made his first yeah. Premier League start. He, he's going to be a monster. I've uh, been waiting for him to come. Uh, they have some players coming through. It's going to be, you know, they have some good players. It's going to be a little bit. Um, I thought the funny thing about it, you know, they're protesting everything. And then, the, you know, the referee, you know, they're talking about how corrupt the league is. The, the referee is standing literally five feet from Martial when he gets when he gets kicked. There's contact there. He gives him a yellow for diving. They send him over to VAR, and he like, I mean, there's clear contact. They change it. He wipes, they wipes the thing off. He should have given a second yellow. He doesn't. Whatever. They get the penalty. So the Everton fans are going crazy. And that third, I thought the third goal was pretty good too. Uh, Martial uh, getting the goal. I thought it was important for United that the three strikers scored. Uh, Rashford scoring was big. Martial scoring was big because they haven't gotten a lot of goals from from the forwards. Um. The, the other thing about this, look, the Everton fans, I mean, I, I think they're, look, they were warned for years that they had issues. I know, Mike, I mean, you could probably talk to this about Leicester and the, the issues they had with, with, with financial play and the losses. They've been warned for years and years and years that this is going to be a problem if they don't change their ways. And they didn't change their ways and they kept spending and they got punished. Um, they got punished in a year. It's not probably not going to matter because the, re- the 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 three teams below them are so bad. But I think the main problem with, that everybody watching has is that how are you giving them a penalty and you have a team that has won four of the last five titles that has 115 charges hang over and, and like nothing's going on with like something has to be done either absolve them of that or do something with it you can't just keep hanging over it i think that's the main problem that the everton fans have why are they getting singled out you know and and, and it's a problem because right. they're everton and not manchester city well, that's what I was going to say, Kyle. There's kind of there's two things at play there. We'll we'll talk about the Man City stuff first. 
it's the same theory of why does the cop pull over the guy who's doing 65? Because you can't catch the guy doing 80. Man City's doing 80. Everton's doing 65. They're easier to catch. And when you get into the Man City stuff, you're getting into the weeds of like, is this just for an investment? Is this actually a sponsorship deal? Man City fudge a lot of things in ways that Everton can't. Everton was warned to change. And I also think Everton was penalized for the fact that the other teams that were warned did and they didn't. So they were kind of made an example of in that way as well, because you have a Leicester who ended up going down because they went 18 months where they didn't spend any money. You have a Wolves selling Ruben Neves and all their guys to try and get right. So you have those clubs kind of in the back going, hey, we did what you told us to do. You have to penalize Everton because they didn't. Otherwise, we just kind of got screwed for no reason. That's part one of this. The part two, and I think for Everton, the part that's really more concerning is that was a team to me that looked broken by that. I don't necessarily know. I know the bottom of this league is bad, but the body language in Everton from that game was absolutely from the moment it started, JJ, it was wrong. It was terrible. It was a bad energy by Everton. It was bad energy from the fans. They were constantly complaining about the 10 points they lost, not worried about the three that were in front of them that could help pull the nose back up. And if you're only going to focus on what is going wrong and what you lost, you're going to lose what's in front of you, and you're going to find yourself in this scrap. All right. Well, this is going to be a, uh, sorry, Mike, a completely 100-degree opposing thought of what you said because statistically – Everton were actually the much better team over the course of play. So I go, I get my statistics off FopMob. This is not a paid advertisement or anything. This is just how I get my stats. Had the better of the possession. Higher XG from the run of play and from set pieces, you take away the penalty. They had, Everton was over 2.4 versus Manchester United from the run of play, 1.3. Touches inside the final third, better. Big chances created, better. Um, it was if it wasn't for Andre Onana making a couple of key saves, a couple of shots that went off the woodwork, and a couple of balls cleared off the line. No, just let me. It, it things could have changed when those moments happened. The scoreline could have been completely different. Um, yeah, the body language is certainly one thing. Obviously, this is a club that had started to maybe look like, and I'm talking about the players had started to maybe take a couple of steps in the right direction from a couple of previous performances. And then and all of a sudden you get slapped with this 10 point deduction, um, which also David Ornstein reported that Everton did admit to a handful of these um, transgressions within their financial fair play. They will be appealing because I personally think that when you take in all the numbers and I believe the, it, you have to also factor in with COVID there were everyone got a little bit of a bypass with some of those things. There are only $19 million over the last three years where they were over admitted it. Obviously they're going to appeal it. I think the 10 points is very harsh. You could look at three to six points probably could be a little bit fair. I'll get to the bad precedent that this sets for just about everybody else in a moment, but I actually thought Everton played fine. For this match, they were, yeah, they lost 3 0. Menu took their, took their chances and well played. They took their chances. The goal from Garnacho is brilliant. I'm not going to stand here and say that they were on, you know, they were lucky winners or something along those lines, but I don't think the scoreline truly reflected the overall performance of the players. At patches, they were not great, but at other points, I actually thought that they played okay. I I don't overwhelmingly disagree with you, and I also don't want to go too old school in the approach either, but as a team that had a pretty pretty good XG last year and a team that was quote-unquote too good to go down, I could tell you it's not fun playing in the championship. I mean, they're making a run of it right now, but this is a game of results, not a game of expected results. Three nothing, no matter how you play, no matter how good it looks on stat sheets and graphs and all that stuff. Three nil is three nil. You got your butts kicked. Yeah, let me just I thought Everton, let me 
Go ahead, let me um, just jump in real quick. What just to to some context for the, with the ten point deduction, Everton is now on four points, which is nineteenth in the table. That's um joint bottom with Burnley. Now uh, the good news for Everton is the goal differential is only minus six, so that could come into play. And and like we'll see, we'll see how the appeals process plays out. Mm-hmm. And if that ten points maybe gets reduced to six or four or three or whatever it is, Sheffield United is on five uh, in the in eighteenth place. Then Luton Town on nine. Bournemouth on 12, Nottingham Forest on 13. So so Everton is not, even with the 10-point deduction, is not so far adrift that this isn't uh, a salvageable situation. I, I think, too, first of all, I, I think Everton was all right in the first half. I thought as soon as the goal went in in the second half, the penalty went in. They, I think they, they were done. Like Mike said, they put their heads down. They were terrible after that. I, I thought they were pretty good in the first half, but um, I, I just thought after the second goal went in, the game was over. Um, the only good thing for – right now – for Everton, there's a – like, th- this is – we're 13 games in. This is 100%. I'm not th- – there's no debating this in my in my brain. Sheffield United and Burnley are two of the worst teams I've ever played in the, in the Premier League. They're, they're on five and four points. They're on 23 and 22 – minus 23 and minus 22 goal difference after 13 games. They're on pace to f- minus 50 or something like that. I mean, they're not – it's probably not going to be minus 50, but, like – they have they have two wins combined between them. Everton has four. You know, I think Luton Town obviously have been much better of late. You know, they're two draws and a win. Uh, that win I thought was pretty big this weekend. I still don't think they're very good, but you know, I think Luton Town and Bournemouth right there. Um, you know, Everton has to kind of figure it out a little bit. You know, I I, I think they'll be okay, but you know, once again, the longer they stay four, six, seven points, you know, if they don't get some results, and I know they have a pretty tricky schedule coming up, if they don't get some um, results coming up soon and they get stay in that bottom bottom three, bottom four here, um, you know, they got, you know, at Nottingham Forest, Newcastle, Chelsea, at Burnley, huge game, Spurs, Man City, at Wolves, Aston Villa, you know, that's a tough schedule. You know, they got to get some wins out of that. Well, three out of the next four, I think, are – definitely points gettable from that away to forest i mean that's a swing game you know three points here three points there they could be out of it chelsea obviously will discuss that they had a difficult afternoon to say the least and then burnley i mean that's a classic relegation six-pointer so i mean yeah the the little stretch after that with spurs away city home wolves who are looking a little bit better villa home that's obviously difficult but the good news i guess for them is that if you put yourselves into a situation where you get say of these next four league matches seven points as we've said how bad the bottom four is bar everton i think they'll they'll put themselves in a position where they can be all right come january one one last hey, thing just gonna say one last thing here uh you're the greatest team of all time tottenham hotspur uh <laughs> the, the manager three-time manager of the month all this stuff Right now, after 13 matches, there's two points ahead of Manchester United on the same amount of wins. They both have eight wins. And this is Manchester United's worst start to the Premier League season. I, I just – that's why you can't get crazy about managers and coaches after September. Last last thing on this game, in a word, better goal, Garnacho or Rooney against Manchester City? Oh, Garnacho, 100%. Garnacho, <laughs> one of the most – and, and, and it's a shame. I'm just going to shout this out real quick, even though I know we're going to get to this game later. It overshadowed one of the better plays, maybe one of the best plays I've ever seen from a young player in that pass from Lewis Miley in the Newcastle game. That touch was absolutely unbelievable. But Garnacho is the young star that Man, uh, Man United have been searching for for the he last He had to decade. come back. He had to come back. because First of all, the ball was great. The, yeah, the oh, yeah. The game was great. He had to cut. He had to come back and like go back towards the eighteen and, and go back up and get it. And they made better contact with it, and he was further away than the Rooney goal. I mean, it was just you know yeah, in that, the context of all this stuff. That, that's like the the EAFC video game goal that you mm-hmm. like you get, and it gets like one hundred and fifty thousand views or one hundred fifty million wow. views on social media. Like, <laughs> and and of course the Rooney excuse will be, did he mean it? Was there a deflection? <laughs> Some along those lines. This was, there's no doubts. I mean, you even look at the point of contact. It was on the laces. Everything I, is I just asked book. because the Ro- the Rooney goal was in the derby. So I thought maybe maybe it being against Manchester City 
give it a little bit of uh, added weight. Um, and it's a good segue, too, as we cross the city of Manchester and we go to the Etihad Stadium where Manchester City entered the week leading the Premier League. Uh, they come out against Liverpool early. Holland in the 27th minute, he scores his 50th Premier League goal. He's the fastest player uh, in league history to 50 goals, only needed 48 games. Uh, but Liverpool, a late 80th minute equalizer from Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, as they share the points. And as it is, uh, Manchester City drops from first to second. They're one point behind Arsenal. Liverpool goes down to third on 28 points. Uh, Mike, thoughts on this game? My biggest thought is kind of what it's been all season for Man City. They are lacking that creativeness. And in this game, I thought was another opportunity where it showed. We know how Liverpool plays. And we know Liverpool plays a very kind of wide open style. We know Trent Alexander is a is a back that you can kind of take advantage of. And, you know, those those track, uh, Jack Grealish's and even Phil Foden to a certain extent, they're not really kind of stepping up into that De Bruyne role. Listen, this is still a top three team in Europe. It's probably still the best team in the Premier League, but they've taken a step back toward the pack. Um, and I, I thought this was a, you know, I'll say don't call it a comeback game for Liverpool. Like, they're still there. They're still in that echelon. And this was one of those games where Liverpool kind of reminded everyone, hey, we're the last team not named Manchester City to win this league. We've got a European trophy in our bag not that long ago with this group. I thought this was the game of the weekend. I thought it was an incredibly fun watch. And you have to say this grading on a curve when you're talking about Manchester City. Because Manchester City still is the best team. So I want that said. They're still the best team. But over the last two years, they felt uncatchable. They're not uncatchable. They're not unbeatable. They are not the shoe-in to win this league that they've been in the years past. And I think, JJ, this game was a great example of it. Yeah, you make a really good point, Mike, because even last year, up until, what, I'd say six weeks ago, you always mm -hmm. felt that they were going to catch Arsenal. That at some point, they were, you know, that uh, the altitude sickness would run up to them a little bit. Um. Still, with that being said, in this match, and you're right, as a neutral, this is probably the best match of the weekend entertainment-wise, maybe barring just because the, the grit and the fight and the tenacity of Luton and probably just the magnitude of that half, that might have been the close second to it. But the thing that I feel that City, they'll, they'll probably be thinking to themselves, boy, our press was awfully good on that day because how many times did Liverpool try to play through the lines and it nearly bit them because Allison, I mean, the goal that he gave up was a slip off of a punt, which yes, to be fair, was the idea on absolutely. Did it need to be forced, especially after the last 90 seconds? Have you been playing around with fire inside your own area? Maybe not. You just allow everyone to play up the field or get up the field. Granted, of course, this is how modern football is played. You just play from the back. But boy, if that press on another day it probably warrants City two more goals out of it just because of the areas that they pick the ball back up in transition. And if also, if I'm Allison there, you're thinking your lucky star is that goalies are an endangered species because twice he will slip or miss catching a ball and he got the slightest of touches. I'm a former goalie, by the way, so I am also endangered in a number of ways. But miss catching a cross, ball gets bundled into the back of the net. Second time won the last 10 minutes, catches one, and the slightest of pushes knocks him across the goal line. Maybe the ball never got home. Maybe it didn't. But, um, yeah, I think if you're Liverpool, you're happy that you took the chance. And, Trent, that was a beautiful finish, by the way. I mean, where his starting position on that move, that's just his classic style of play where he's just going to cut inside, keep cutting and keep cutting. Um, if I'm Liverpool, I'm almost a little lucky, you know, feeling that I'll, I'll take the point. Thank you very much. And run out of the Eddie head. That, that that's for me. I feel like city may have lost two as opposed to gain one. Sean, are you still looking at Manchester city as the title favorite? I mean, <clears throat> they have some injuries. So, you know, I, I think when they get these guys back, I, you know, obviously, um, you know, they, they do have 
a pretty deep squad, although, I mean, maybe it's not as deep as everybody thought at the beginning of the year. You know, De Bruyne will be back at some point. <clears throat> you know, he'll be back probably in time for February, March, when some of these guys, some of these other teams are starting to fade. Um, you know, the team, it, it's not just um, – it's not just Arsenal, you know, and City and Liverpool. I think Aston Villa is right there. I think they're in the mix. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think these teams are going to drop some points over the course of the year. I don't think City's going to run away with it um, this year. Uh, you know, they're they're. I'm sure they're. You know, they're probably the favorite at this point. I mean, they're probably the best squad. But, you know, I I, I just think there's going to be some weird results here. Um, you know, there's still there's still a lot of games left. I mean, uh, you know, 25 matches left. So I, I think there's a lot of teams that could give City trouble. You know, Aston Villa, um, Newcastle, you know, Brighton on their day. They haven't been great, but, you know, that, that was a pretty big win the other day. Arsenal, obviously. Um, so I, I just think it's going to be a little bit closer, maybe top five than it has been Um this you know it has been for a while yeah and actually the top five are separated by four points um which can lead us to um arsenal back on top of the table on 30 points uh a kai havert sighting in the 89th minute he comes through with a with a headed goal uh to send the gunners past brentford uh and back on top of the table look if they're going to get something if they're going to find a way to get something out of kai havertz um you know obviously that's that's big for them um but uh Mike Arsenal back on top of the table. First of all, I, I I don't really know if Havertz can ever reach his expectations, but like this is a big goal. The dude has a Champions League winner. Like he's yeah. not really that bad. Like he scored some big goals in his career. He just he's just missed some goals too along he's, the way. He's missed a couple. <laughs> who who <laughs> hasn't missed a couple of goals here and there? <laughs> he, um, look, he he's 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 like a. I, you know, I don't know. I think if he was on another team, like if he was on Villa even, or, you know, one of these other teams that isn't trying to win a title, I think he'd be, you know, he'd be a decent player, but he's got a lot of Arsenal fans don't forgive. And, you know, it, look, it, I mean, maybe a kickstart him, but he, you know, he, he obviously he came off the bench. He, he didn't start in that yeah. game. So he, he's, he's down the pecking order right there. So, but I really, Arsenal is just a fun team to watch. And Brentford, I think, makes for, for a fun watch as well. Brentford, to me, Brentford, I don't know if it's an overstatement to say they're kind of even with Brighton. But I think Brentford, being in the league for as long as they've been and consistent as they've been, maybe not on that Brighton level, but they deserve a lot of credit. And Thomas Frank deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with this squad. Because in no world should a team like Brentford cause Arsenal to have to wait to the 89th minute for a winner. I think that says more about Brentford than it does for Arsenal. Um, but that said, Arsenal just keep grinding out results. But Sean loves to attest to this. Arsenal grinds out results before Christmas. It's once oh. the new year hit that that Arsenal slide kind of begins. And it's almost, I'll kind of equate it to American football here really quick. The Chargers kind of feel like the Buffalo Bills right now. They're fun to watch. They're an up-and-down team. They get to the precipice, but they can't quite pull it off. Sorry, Results you mean Arsenal, the... not the Chargers? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. My bad. I, I was Chargers and Bills were the teams that were in my head, and I went with the Bills. And Yes, Arsenal, uh, Arsenal Bills. Thank you. Um, Arsenal early season results before Christmas don't really matter. And they're going to have to win big league. games. You're going to have the champions league round of 16. And I mean, you're, they're going to yeah. win the group. So they're probably going to get through that in the round of eight. I mean, they're going to be playing big champions league games in February, March and April on top yeah. of the FA cup. And yeah. uh, you know, this squad isn't deep. I mean, that's the, always the problem with this team. You know, Arsenal waited till, the end of April last year to kind of tank. Usually it's in February and March. You know, what we'll, we'll see, you know, I, 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 Arsenal for me until they, until they win something, I mean, you got to just kind of go, I mean, they, they just, you yeah. know what they're going to do. 
I like Arsenal, but I also completely agree with Sean. Like, they're that team that has got the reputation of, I'm not going to believe they can win until I see them win. I think this is a year that they can do it. I think it's the deepest roster that they have. But, and I'm not talking about FA Cups. I know they win FA Cups and League Cups and all that stuff. They're going to win a big trophy. Not saying the FA Cup isn't a big trophy. I know how big it is, but you got to win a European Cup. You got to win a league. Um, I know they've been linked a lot to Neto. I think that would be a huge January edition. I think that would give them the depth. I don't think they're as shallow as you think they are, Sean. I think Trossard is someone who's a pretty decent player that can contribute. You know, they bring Jorginho off the bench pretty regularly. Uh, Ben White defensively, Havertz. Like, they have some guys. They need a couple of more to get to that Real Madrid, Man City level. But, yeah, a a 1-0 win against Brentford is good but that's kind of what arsenal does they gotta do it when it matters here's yeah. here's who they're gonna play right you know because they're gonna go into the, you know they'll be in the, the round of 16 so right around the round of 16 the, f- the second third week of february they got you know the, the february 3rd they got liverpool february 10th they're at west ham then they got newcastle february 24th and then march they got you know brentford again chelsea manchester city on the 30th luton brighton away on the 6th Aston Villa at home on the 13th. So they're going to be playing these Champions League games in the middle of very important Premier League games with a squad that is deeper but is not as deep as Manchester City. So So you bring up an interesting point, Sean, and going on to Mike, what you're saying about the, the January window. Here's what, if we backed up what Sean said by two matches, Arsenal have an interesting window where between Jan 1 and Jan 19, they don't have a Premier League match scheduled because you have the FA Cup match and then they have kind of like a a bye. They still have that sort of bye weekend. So they have a huge period of time where I would assume they're going to do like a, a warm weather base camp for a few days, some along those lines. If they want to make a splash in the January window, they've not only got time to do it, but they've actually time to integrate said player into team and not have to worry about, oh, we need to get this guy up to speed. It might take four or five matches. So, you know, when they finish off their December window on the 31st against Fulham, between that and Jan 20 against Palace at a FA Cup match in there, they've got time. And that makes them, I'm not saying that this is a projection, but just, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the team that kind of sets the tone early on, maybe like Jan nine, like they're the team that makes the first big signing just because they know that they'll have 11 days to get in that player and get a week's worth of training underneath them. I just want to move on to our weekly question of, is Chelsea back? And this week, the answer is most definitely not. Uh, Newcastle Newcastle for Chelsea won. Um, this game was actually 1-1 after uh, Raheem Sterling scored an excellent free kick. Um, but then uh, Lacazelle uh, gives Newcastle the lead. Joe Linton a minute later makes it 3-1. Reese James gets sent off. Uh, and then Anthony Gordon... Uh, in the 83rd minute, wraps it up a 4-1 victory uh, for Newcastle. Newcastle's been a little up and down as it as it deals with this really European season that it hasn't had in a long time in, in trying to navigate the Champions League. Uh, but Newcastle's up to 7th on 23 points. Chelsea falls to 10th on 16 points. There's a bit of a log jam there. 10th through 14th are separated by uh, one, uh, one point. So five teams separated by one point. Um, Sean, your thoughts on Newcastle Chelsea? Yeah, Chelsea's. I mean, um, I mean, they're 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 going to go out and sign. You know, they're they're signing the kid from Brazil, and they're you know they're going to have seventeen midfielders, and you know they just you know I, I don't understand what they're doing. I, I just I don't understand what they're doing. I mean, they they basically play the same lineup every day. They got Thiago Silva, who's like seventy five years <laughs> old. Playing center back, he got exposed. Big I was going to say he looked every bit of it. Yeah, he got exposed uh, pretty badly the other day. Um, you know, I, I just the squad is just 
it's it's hard. Like they're just like so unbalanced. I I, I don't you know they they have the same. You know, Cucurella stinks. Uh, you know they're trying different center backs. Badashiel and, and and Silva were in there. You know Reese James is very good, but you know obviously got sent off there. That that kind of hurt him because they gave up the goals after that. You know Sterling Fernandez. I, these guys, Connor Gallagher. None of these guys are gonna hurt you. I mean Connor Gallagher was a really good player for Crystal Palace, um, and you know he was on loan obviously from Chelsea. And, you know, maybe that was his level. Uh, Palace scoring goals against, uh, you know, teams at the bottom of the table. You know, you look at their their bench. I, you know, I don't know. They bought Moises Casado for $8 billion. And they don't play him. I, that guy, you know, he should be the first name on your list. He was Brighton's best player. Um, he can't even get on the pitch now. Um, you know, I think, obviously, Newcastle, uh, once again, I mean, a little bit of a weird team. They're really good at home. They're very, very good at home. They just don't lose at home. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a you know, huge match this weekend against United to go up there. But, you know, on their travels, they haven't been great. So, um, you know, they're still kind of, you know, they're still three points back at Tottenham. I, you know, I think Newcastle is going to be one of these teams that's going to be there at the end of the season. I, I think they'll win a trophy somewhere, maybe the League Cup, maybe the FA Cup, something like that. But uh, I just, you know, their away form isn't great. So uh, I, Ch- Chelsea at some point, I, I don't know when the alarm bells are going to ring. I mean, they're, they're still, they're, they're in 10th place. They're, they're in the top half of the table, you know, on goal difference there by one goal. But I, they're not... There's no way they challenge for Europe this year. I just, you know, unless they go out and sign Osaman in, in, in um, January, but you know, I don't think it's going to happen. He's just going to keep throwing money at the problem, and it, it, but at some point, like you can't, you can't just keep throwing money and, and just bringing guys in. I mean, the squad never gels. I mean, they always look like a team that's never played together, which half the time is right because they haven't played yeah. together. Yeah, it's also interesting. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, two bits from this for me. First, the Reese James sending off. The we're now starting to see we're what in December right now. So the league has been going on for four months, give or take. The referees are not relenting on yellow cards for kicking the ball away, for dissent, for anything like that. Players have still not learned. If there's a foul that's given, walk away and get back. If you don't like the call, let your captain speak to the referee, but walk away. Reese James should have never been sent off in that match and arguably hurt his team in that process. Players across the league have to start getting over it and just get on with the game. Also give Raheem Sterling his flowers. That was a beautiful set piece. Um, on Newcastle, this is something that's been interesting that I was, while Sean was going, just looking back over the last couple of matches, this is a team that's actually done really well against low block defenses and low block midfields, and they have struggled against teams that have set up with a high line of defense. And we were talking about how Tiago Silva had his moment of showing where he's a little bit beyond his prime. So be it. We've all had these mistakes, but the way that Newcastle likes to set up with Isak in the middle, and then you have Almiron or Gordon or uh, Joe Linton, whoever have you in the attacking five, they'll play off of them. Isak is just going to be sort of that classic um, old school English number nine, number 10, that they're just going to lump balls to him or play through him and everyone else is going to work off of him. When they're playing against that low block, he goes to town and Newcastle goes to work. Take a look at their previous match against Bournemouth before that they struggled to create any offense because Bournemouth plays bravely and has their midfield flat line play higher, have their defense line play higher. I don't think they actually had a shot. They being Newcastle shot on target in that match. So these are the little things that I'm kind of curious for. And I'm also going to be curious to see as we go through the course of the second half of the season, if more teams are going to start playing high line. Yes, it's a risk reward type thing, but you know, Newcastle needs to start making that adjustment. Yeah, another thing I would keep. Yeah, another thing I would keep an eye on with Newcastle, Sean. You talk about depth. This is a team that's, you know, when you start to get into that grind of Europe, whether it's Europa or whether it's Champions League, because we all know they're in Group F. But it's if they continue in Europe, 
they're a team that I think is going to need to do a little bit of business because all their depth is hurt. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at their bench from that game, it's Matt Ritchie, Phil Dummett, and kids. Yeah, terrible. Like, they dressed four keepers in that game just because they had to. Um, So they are a team that I think maybe needs to do a, a bit of business in January to stay competitive through all the matches that it is that it looks like they may have to play. Um, Lewis Miley, it, like I said, cannot say enough about that that touch on that pass to Isak and the composure as a teenager to do that when you have the entire stadium screaming, shoot, and instead you make that pass to Isak, that touch. Should, can't say enough about that play. Can't say enough about the composure to do that as a teenager. I just think that was absolutely brilliant by him. Um, and Chelsea, if you were in a FIFA career mode with Chelsea, you would have quit because it wasn't working. <laughs> you would have rained. You would have just restarted. They have four wins from 13 games. And right now, in the, in, se- in, the, in their next in seven days, they have to play Brighton at Manchester United and at Everton. I mean, oh. and with four wins, I mean, I, I, you know, do you trust them to win? I don't trust them to go to Everton and get a result. Like, I, when I start to look at games, I'm going to, you know, maybe possibly bet on on the weekend. Like, I, I, I'm i never – like, I'm not betting on them ever. Like, I don't trust them to go to to Everton and get a result. I, I, I would actually look at Everton and say, man, they could probably get some for this game. Yeah, right. and it's not – the last thing they need is another reset. They don't need to bring in more players. They don't need to fire Poach and bring in another new coach. They just need to settle down for six months and let this, you know, let this stock come together. Let this soup come together. Let's see if these flavors actually meld before we keep adding more and new ingredients. Uh, what about Fulham? Yes, well, good because we're going to go around the uh, the rest of the league here uh, and and look at these games. Uh, first of all, Aston Villa two. Tottenham won. Villa up to 28 points, up to fourth. Only two points off of uh, Arsenal in first place. Three straight losses for Spurs. They've kind of uh, started to come back down to, to reality after the, the yeah, great start there under under Ange. Uh, Bournemouth three, Sheffield United one, West Ham two, Burnley one. Burnley continues to struggle. Uh, you wonder how much uh, how much rope Vincent Company has has left there before they make a change. Uh, Luton Town 2, Crystal Palace 1. Luton is starting to get its feet under it a little bit uh, in the Premier League. Uh, and, and probably thinking now, especially after the Everton point deduction, that that survival is is not out of the question. Uh, and then Fulham 3, Wolves 2. That was the match today. Fulham, uh, like I said at the top, uh, a late penalty awarded there by VAR. And I'll just say this on that. If you were going to call the first two penalties that you called in that game, you had to give the third one there uh, in, in stoppage time. Uh, which then William converted his second penalty of the game uh, and a big three points there for Fulham because uh, had not been playing great, had had played okay in in spurts in certain games, uh, but weren't able to really put a complete 90 minutes together. And then again, look, today in that game, had the lead twice, gave away the lead twice. That's Those are the kind of things that get you in trouble. Um, and then today, actually, the, the, the funny stat from today is Fulham was the only team in the division to not be awarded a penalty yet. Uh, and then today, <laughs> and then today, and then they today, they get two. They convert them both. They win the game. And let's see if this maybe um can can kind of set them off and and get them going a little bit. Um, but they're kind of right back into that that mid table mix. Uh, of those group of matches, the one I just want to mention, you talked about Burnley. They seem to be the team that's most primed to make a managerial change. I'm just not sure Vincent Company is getting the most out of that squad. This isn't like a Sheffield United situation. I said in the beginning of the season, I think Sheffield United has a chance to challenge Derby as one of the worst teams in Premier League history. I think that Burnley is actually more talented than what they're giving off. So I think this is a club that may kind of be primed for, for a managerial change as opposed to some of the other ones around the bottom. And want to give managerial flowers to Unai Emery. Because, you know, he struggled at Arsenal when he took over that gig. He went to PSG and he kind of struggled there. He's now got his footing. He's got his guys at Aston Villa. And the villains are a side that a lot of teams in the Premier League are going to aspire to. And that's because of what Unai Emery has built there. 
Well, not only with Emery doing the job that he's doing, but he's also got his man as the director of yeah. football. So just wait. The Spanish are coming in the winter. Um, my match that I want to look for, and I know we've all kind of had interchanges and in who's been available for shows. There's been a few that I've mentioned when I've done gigs with either Stu or with Kyle. Forest's back four I've- might be up there as one of the worst marking defenses in this league because it's just been set piece after just playing teams playing through the lines. They look clueless at time. I don't care who's in goal for them. They can't stop any team. And it's not like teams are being, you know, creative and having some in, you know, ingenuity about their play. It's simple square balls that they can't even handle set pieces out swingers to the penalty spot that they cannot get through. I mean, Good luck to anybody that's, you know, trying to come in and play between the pipes for that team because it's just a travesty, which is also disappointing because up front, they're a very talented front six. I mean, Alanga seems to be in great form right now. By the way, a very nice weekend for Manchester United uh, Academy castoffs because he scored and also Tenen Mengi scored for Luton Town this past weekend as well. But Alanga's in great form. Um, we've seen... Chris Wood do his thing. Gibbs White might be one of the more talented young players in this league. And then, of course, um, y- you've got the likes of Awanyi, who wasn't available to play in this match. Divock Regan, Callum Hudson-Odoi. So their front is fine. Figure it out in the back. Otherwise, maybe in March we might be seeing Forrest still linger in that 16-17 to 17 spot. You know, that score was 3-2 Brighton, by the way. Uh, Lewis Dunk got sent off for Brighton in the 73rd minute, uh, and then they held on with 10 men the rest of the way. Sean, what about the rest of those games stood out for you? It was funny because he, 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 I saw that, you know, he, he somebody asked him why he got sent off, and, and uh, <laughs> the referee was like, he called me an effing bellend. <laughs> and you, you saw him, like, you could see, like, so, like, because he got two, because he got two yellows in, like, it's like you know, 15 seconds and he, he just he 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 looked at him and he's like like what and he's like what the ref what the hell and he's like he called me Evan Bellend and I, I thought that was pretty funny um I Spurs are in trouble uh the, the, you know I, I I think you know we talked about this you know the, the hey everybody you know the greatest team ever they play at Man City West Ham Newcastle in the span of seven days coming up next, uh, you know, they, they're not, their squad is once again, it's not one of these deep teams. James Madison's injury, I think hurt them. Um, you know, uh, they have uh, a couple other players out their back. Their, their back four hasn't been great. You looked at their back four in that game and I was like, man, that's a little dodgy. Um, you know, they have some tough games and, and, and at the end of December. They, they play Brighton away. They got Manchester United. They, they, you know, they, they they play Brighton again. They play Wolves. I just think, you know, they're going to kind of settle back down to maybe where they're supposed to be, which with that squad, I think, you know, without Harry Kane, I think most people thought maybe they were going to be, you know, somewhere between like seventh and 10th, maybe. Um you know, when you look at the table, I I just think, you know, Arsenal, City, Liverpool, Aston Villa, clearly Newcastle, clearly better than Tottenham. Um, so I, I, I think they're going to struggle a little bit. And, you know, I, I thought I thought, you know, I, I just once again, I mean, you see teams like Wolves and I, I think, you know, they, they played pretty well today. Obviously, giving away a couple penalties, but um, going to Fulham and, and playing the game, I, I think people kind of thought they weren't going to be. Uh, how how good they were going to be. I thought they've been pretty good so far this year. You know that they're ahead of Palace and some of these other teams. But I I just you know these teams like Bournemouth, Forest, Fulham, Palace, Wolves. You know I I, I just I think for them that I, I I just think that they know that the teams below them aren't very good. And yeah. we can go out and we can we can play some of these games with you, you could be a little more uh, aggressive or, you know, I don't want to say reckless, but like say, look, hey, let's take a shot in this game. See if we can get something. You know, maybe we get three points 
Whereas in other years, maybe they wouldn't really do that. And and maybe they've gotten three points in games, you know, Wolves against Spurs comes to mind, um, you know, and those kind of games, those three points, those are going to add up by the end of the year. And they're, they're going to end up being, you know, 15 points clear of the teams at the bottom. So I, I think maybe, and maybe that's good for the league because now instead of these teams always, you know, struggling to play and, you know, maybe, you know, every time you play Wolves, you know, you know, one nil, 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 whatever. Hey, hey, we could play with these teams. Let's try to play now. And then, you know, next year it carries on and the league ends up being better for it because you get more, you, you get more games that are competitive and you get, you know, if I'm a fan, you know, oh man, Fulham, Fulham and Wolves, man, the Monday night football game. It was a great game. I mean, it, yeah. if I, you know, when I'm, I'm going to be in England in, in a week, you know, if I'm out on Monday night watching that game, man, I, that's a great game to watch. You're out there and it's an exciting game and, it, and, it's a, and it's a good advert for the game. So I, I just think that's something that's been big for the league this year. Just, I just, wonder uh, if Bournemouth had a chance to do it over again if they would keep Gary O'Neill because he's proven to be quite a coach. Just uh, yeah. last thing, last thing before we wrap up, the Champions League resumes uh, midweek, starting with uh, we have Group F on the on the docket for tomorrow. That's, that's group obviously F, Kyle. Yeah, group F. Yeah, Group F. Yeah, Group F. Newcastle's got to go to the Parc des Princes. Dort, uh, Dortmund is at the San Siro. Dortmund is leading that group on seven points. PSG is uh, on six. Milan on five. Newcastle uh, on four. Uh, just want to stand down for you. Yeah, Milan is heavy favorite in that game for some reason. I, I don't know, but it's probably because Pulisic is playing. I, that would be my guess. Yeah, uh, obviously. <laughs> Pulisic has been good over there. Like that's that's kind of the level that he level. should be at. Yeah, that's his level. He found his level, and that's that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. I I think that that group F matches they're all going to be really fun to watch because you know Milan could get a result at Dortmund. We already saw Newcastle can get a result against PSG. Everybody, yeah, I, I, you know I, Man City and Leipzig. That's a game that could have a hundred goals in it. I think everybody's just. 98 of them by Leipzig, but I meant by Manchester City. But. The, Premier League is, the Premier League is the standard, obviously. But, you know, I, I just think sometimes these, these, you know, look, man, if, if you're a player, you go go play in, you know, Portugal. Go play in Italy. Go, yeah. And not saying, I mean, the Italian League was very good last year, obviously. You know, go play in the – you don't always have to play in the Premier League. You know, there's so many other – the French League is, you know, if you watch these games. Um you know, I, I just, you know, I, I think those games tomorrow, I mean, it, you, it, it's a, it's an interesting day of, of games. I mean, Lazio, Lazio plays Celtic, Feyenoord plays Atletico Madrid. I talked about this earlier. Lazio's on seven points. Atletico Madrid's on eight. Feyenoord's on six. Feyenoord and Atletico Madrid play. If yeah. Atletico Madrid wins and Lazio smokes Celtic, those teams are both through and they play the next day, if the next round. If Feyenoord gets a result, you know, Feyenoord plays Celtic and Atletico plays Lazio. That match day six could be interesting. You know, obviously Group F is going to be interesting coming down to it. And, uh, you know, Group H with, with uh, you know, Barcelona, Porto, uh, Shakhtar still in it with six points. And, uh, you know, there's some big games. Shakhtar is obviously going to, you know, think that they can beat Antwerp at home and they're going to be right in the middle of it. So match day six is going to be interesting. The, the one I'm keeping an eye on is Group C for this reason. Uh, you, you've got Braga playing Union Berlin and Napoli, who struggled. Napoli, you know, they were the darlings of Europe last year. Everybody was thinking they were good value as Champions League winners, potentially. They're on their, what, second or third coach of the season now, if you count the interim. They're struggling a bit with them playing Real Madrid. Real Madrid wins that game. Either of those teams get a result, particularly Braga. Now you're in another one where you're going to have a, a final match day in the Champions League where Napoli's playing Braga. That could be a loser leaves town match, depending on the results. Um, and all of a sudden, Napoli's in Europe. Now, uh, Kavarat Shakila, uh, an OC man, maybe do they become January pieces if Napoli finds themselves out of the Champions League? You know, Either of those guys are players that could swing any league, including Champions League, if they become available. Yeah, I the, the match day five is always a really interesting. You know, it, it really decides stuff. I mean, you, you know, a lot of times the the, the groups are, are decided 
on in this round and uh you know you obviously got the uh, Europa League and the Europa Conference League as well on uh on Thursday so there's going to be a lot of really interesting games coming up this week uh just last thing though I, I know I said that was the last thing but the last thing uh from the international break uh the, the Euros are down to the playoffs, so there's three spots left for the Euros. Uh, the playoff brackets are, are as follows. Wales, Finland, Poland, Estonia. So it'll be one of those four teams. Bosnia against Ukraine. Israel against Iceland. So one of those four teams. Uh, Georgia against Luxembourg. And Greece against Kazakhstan. So from one from that group of four, one of those teams. That'll make up the last three. Uh, over here on in our hemisphere, the United States, Mexico, Panama, and Jamaica all qualified for Copa America in the summer of 2024. Uh, the last two spots will be made up uh, by either Canada and Trinidad or Honduras and Costa Rica. And in South America, Argentina beat Brazil 1-0 in a qualifier. Why is that noteworthy other than it being Argentina-Brazil? It was Brazil's first ever home loss in a World Cup qualifier. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. Wow. That was a crazy game, that's too. Nuts. Those, those games game. and those games sometimes the they're like sometimes they're great games and sometimes they're just ninety minutes of the two teams kicking each other. Um, it's it's and either the, it's either and one kicking or the, the fan. other. And I'm super kicking the fans. I I, I honestly I the that Georgia team is really good in past C. You know it would be really cool to see Lux, Luxembourg get in. I, I think you know th this the pass that they have. I mean, you see how it's working in Europe. I mean, maybe it'll work over here. Probably not. But, uh, you know, it would be cool to see a team like Luxembourg get in. Um, you know, maybe in Estonia. They probably won't. It'll be Wales or Poland. But, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting to see these games. It's, it's, in, it's in March, I guess. So, I don't I mean, thank God I don't have to talk about internationals until March. I mean, uh, it's, it's it, it, it's crazy. The the years they have the qualification for the tournament, the, the first half of the season, it's it's like, is it ever going to end? It's every 10 minutes there's another international break. I'm just – it needs to go away for a little bit. Well, box to box football. Uh, you guys know where to find us. Uh, like the bell, subscribe, all that stuff. You, you all know that. Um, thanks for joining us for our week 13 recap and we will talk to you soon.